This is the Grace in the Gray podcast, where we use the black and white of scripture to speak truth into the gray areas of culture. And today, as we head into the holidays, I have a question for the gentleman in the room. How much do you love decorating your house for Christmas? Somebody go find some gentleman. <laughs> She's got a question <laughs> for him. Uh, I'll go first, and, and I'll... I feel like I want to prerequisite this a little bit and maybe qualify my statement. I'm I'm really not Scrooge, all right? I'm not the Grinch, or I'm I, like I, like I enjoy the holiday season, but I'm also very much Type A, and part of the Type A ness in me is that like I want things to be. <laughs> we lost Sam. Wow, what happened to her? The Type A ness. <laughs> I didn't even think that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> please let's keep it. Keep rolling, please. Part of my part of my <laughs> part of my anus. <laughs> Tell us about your anus, Rick. The word you're looking for is type A. Hey, what? I was no, I like to- how he had it, James. <laughs> I was fine till Ben looked at me. <laughs> I didn't. Think I heard about, you make a noise. Think about that. I preach on Sunday mornings. And I didn't even think about the fact that I just came out of my mouth. <laughs> you're a public speaker. You're over here talking about your anus. <laughs> At least that's the medical term. Oh, yeah, God. that's true. Rain it back in. Okay, so Rick, your personality trait requires you to do what when you decorate for Christmas? <laughs> so part of my being type A is that I want things to be in the place that they go. And so by de facto, I'm kind of thrown off at the very beginning of the Christmas season because pine trees don't go in the living room. And so from the minute that I get stuck with the first pine needle, it ratchets up anxiety a little bit. And then it feels like this dance is happening for somewhere around a month. And we go the Saturday after Thanksgiving, because I think it's important that you respect Thanksgiving before you transition and turn to Christmas. Uh, and we we put this and then it's like this awkward over a month long period of trying to keep this tree that's dead looking alive in my house and also keep it from burning down my home and a tree doesn't go in the home and keep the pine needles up and do all these kind of things. So I wrestle. I really do. I love Christmas. I love the Christmas season. I love all that it means, but I, I struggle with Christmas decor for that reason among others, but I, I won't go to all of mine. I'll go to bed. What was the question? <laughs> I lost the thread. <laughs> How much do you love decorating your home for Christmas? Oh, I don't. That's more Ashton's thing. But I think part of that also for us is family background. Like, we were pretty minimal with uh, the stuff that we put up when we were kids. Do you um, appreciate it, though, once it's all done? Or are you Scrooge like Rick? Yeah, it's pretty. It's nice <laughs> to look at. And it, it gives a certain vibe. Um, there's some other stuff like <laughs> holiday trimmings that I'm not so much a fan of, like most Christmas music. Ah. Um, not a big Christmas music fan. Yeah, I didn't. That must be a genetic trait as well, because I. You don't like it? No. <laughs> There's like maybe two or three songs that, like, I'll give you an example. Last night we were at a home group and they were playing some music in the background, and the Charlie Brown Christmas theme came on. Ba 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 ba. Like you could put that on repeat for from now until Christmas. I'll never get tired of it. I love that song so much. It's beautiful. I have, I have this weird. Kind and there's of, a couple of Nat King Cole songs that I can get along with. I have this weird relationship with Christmas music in that I I don't like it, and I don't like the old classics because I don't think they're good songs, and it feels like songs have been played out for forever. I just beg pardon. What yeah. do you mean by old classics? Like your Jingle Bells, like your stereotypical, oh, okay, like yeah. your stereo. Not not talking about your boy Nat. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, like I'm, uh, but like the songs Damn. that have been around for forever. The like Rudolph traditional, the yeah, the tradi- I Like I don't think they're good songs. 
they just kind of get on my nerves. And then it's like we have to do just those songs over and over again. And then everybody that gets famous has to make their version of it, which oh, is yeah. really the same as the version of it before. Yeah. And then it gets even worse because every year artists try to come out with their own new ones. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm like, oh. It just doesn't do it. How, yeah, how many times can you reinterpret the same song yeah. and do Which it Which is, interestingly enough, is also a struggle of mine this time of year when it comes to preaching. Uh, so we're it's about to get, we're, yeah, we're kicking off like the Christmas series. We're getting into the Christmas series season at churches all over the country. And it's it's so frustrating. And I'm not, I'm, I'm nowhere near the creative minded type like Ben is, but there's a little bit of creativity that goes into message prep. And it's so difficult to feel like you're in this little box when it comes to sermon prep and getting ready for a Sunday morning or Sunday evening or whenever it is in the Christmas season. And it's like, I don't want to retell the story because I think the story is perfect, but it's like, how do I not stand up here for 30 minutes and do something that everyone has listened to for the last, how do I not recreate the problem that I have with Christmas music in my head for Christmas (laughs) sermons for people over the next six weeks? Mm -hmm. Christmas, man. Y'all decorate, Sam? Yes, we do. Y'all decorate big. I have a, a love-hate relationship. Like, I get so excited when we go get all the containers out of storage. And then once the containers are in my living room, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a daunting task. Yeah. And so once I start, then I get frustrated, and then I take a break, and then it's the next day, and the containers are still in my living room. And so I just have to get it done. And once it's done, and I'm sitting admiring my tree with all my little handmade ornaments from kindergarten, my kid's kindergarten, and the fireplace is going like that's when it, I love it. Yeah. But getting to that point can See, be frustrating. See, I like I like the aesthetic, but not the work. And yeah. my marriage with Ashton worked out perfectly in that way because she had she had like a really cruddy week last week, and she was just in kind of a she she had had a rough time. And uh, one day she came home and she just started dragging all that stuff out, <laughs> and that's like what she did to decompress. Found it's joy. what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to touch that stuff, and I didn't have to. <laughs> so I get all of the payoff without any of the work. Right, and so and that's what Christmas is all about. If you think about it, <laughs> <laughs> there's the story summary. Yeah. That'll be our message this Sunday. If you go, all of the payoff, <laughs> none of the work. I mean, that it's kind of the gospel message, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we can't earn it. Here it is. Here's your gift. Um, Okay, so leading into that conversation, it's really easy to get overwhelmed in the holidays and or put our focus on the wrong thing. So I kind of wanted just to to talk to y'all. How do we avoid that this Christmas? And I feel like I've probably had this conversation many times before, but here we are again. We're approaching the holidays and stress is going up, anxiety is going up, and we're trying to make things perfect or at least perfect in our own eyes. So how do we keep our focus on the main thing? I think this is just opinion. There's not any like scientific evidence or anything that I have to come to this from. But I think one of the things is is a little bit of a misdiagnosis. I think that we miss so much of the joy that God's given us, that he's gifted us all throughout the year, not at Christmas. And somehow at Christmas, I contend we just become hyper aware of the things. There's almost this pressure for this season to be what we somehow fantasize every season being alike. And then when we get to Christmas, you throw in that pressure mixed with the fact that we also, I think especially as parents, feel the burden of trying to create that for our children or this sense of it for our children and our family and our in-laws and our, and it's this massive piling on that just causes so much of it to get lost. And so I think it's, I think there's a bigger issue that's, that's really appropriate to address at this time because it, 
people are heightenedly, heightened, more heightenedly aware of it. But I think that's a problem that we have all of the time where we miss so much of the joy-giving stuff that God's put in our life that's there, and we either miss it just out of it's always there and we're just caught up in the monotony of it, or we miss it because life's busy and it's hectic and we just cruise through it, or because, I think, using the word I think you used just a second ago, we we tend to focus or navigate our attention to the wrong things repetitively over and over and over again, whether that be Christmas or not. So how do you keep yourself grounded? Like, what do you do personally, either of you? Almost, it's like when you were talking, it kind of made me think of mindfulness and being aware of just just thinking about all that God's done for us mm-hmm. or even his magnificence. Like, how do you take it in that moment whenever you're freaking out about you forgot a gift for this person or the ho- your home isn't as tidy as it should be and guests are coming? Like, how do you bring yourself back? Yeah, for me, I see I see the greatest success dealing with a lot of that stuff and recognizing that uh, I don't know one of the best ways of dealing with complications or suffering or just a tough time is recognizing the meaning in it. And if you're struggling around the holidays trying to figure out how to make it a little bit better, or everything's kind of falling apart on you. Just recognizing that the story of the gospel is the story of redemption in the chaos, mm-hmm. um, although not always redemption from the chaos, which is the hard <laughs> yeah. part to deal with. Um, but yeah, just it's a lot easier to endure things not going according to plan when you recognize that there's meaning in some of the mess. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also a huge importance this time of year to recognizing that a lot of what we buy, we're being sold a lie, right? Like one of my struggles with Christmas that makes me, and I'll get to talk about this in a message during the holiday season this year at, at Cedar Creek is like we're sold these concepts of joy and peace and all of these things that the holiday season is supposed to bring. And absolutely, Jesus and his presence and the gospel redemptive work that results from Jesus's life brings those things. But like I struggle particularly at the Christmas season because it's like even that first Christmas narrative isn't peace and joy. and all this. It's a, it's a woman giving birth in a barn to a baby because there's not enough room in the hotel yeah. while a king it, is trying to that's kill the That's the crazy part, yeah. right? It is peace, but it's peace in like, yeah. it's it's a story that constantly subverts your expectations. Yeah. It's peace, but not the kind of peace you expect. Yeah, it's not what you're looking for. It's yeah. that, it's the, and that's for me is like where I think our focus is misplaced. And, I, and I've, I've thought about it this way. So many of the stories, like the, I guess, literary works or entertainment works that come out like the Grinch's heart is always going to grow three sizes, and we're like we drink from this like subversive tap where the Grinch's heart always grows. Scrooge becomes magically generous. Clark gets his Christmas bonus just in time to put the swimming pool in. Yeah. Like all of these things happen where we're drinking from this tap of reconciliation, right? That we see this these things being reconciled, but the heart of the Christmas story isn't even in that piece of reconciliation. It's not see, in our in laws having a perfect turkey or those kind of things that we stake hope to or that we navigate to in this season hoping that it will be it's reconciliation first in a vertical relationship right that it's it's the heart of all of our broken horizontal relationships is we've severed sin has severed our vertical relationship with god and christmas is the physical manifestation of the beginning of this gospel narrative where god is going to step out of heaven in the form of jesus to reconcile that relationship and so the peace is not like I'm sitting soaking in a hot tub, drinking a <laughs> glass of Chardonnay and chilling. Like that's not the peace that comes from this story. It's this 
reconciliation of a broken relationship that's robbed me of peace at every level of my life, including my horizontal relationships, that are not going to magically be fixed in the next month and a half, right? That's not the message of Christmas is that you're finally going to convince Cousin Davey to vote this way and believe this way for the good of the kingdom and and the country or whatever it goes into these things for. That's not the message. And it's also, like I love that you said, it's it's peace in the chaos, not peace from it. Like the the Christmas narrative, if you follow Jesus's life, it doesn't it doesn't get more peaceful as it goes. In fact, it probably builds up to this point of being even less peaceful, if possible, than being born in a barn. He's going to be mm-hmm. turned on by the people he comes to save, and is going to be killed. But even in that is peace, and it's kind of this spinning on its head of what we would maybe find ourselves feeling like we're pushing for. Yeah. So would you say most of those expectations, unreasonable expectations that we put on ourselves when we try to build Christmas in our lives come from like pop culture stuff? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I, yeah, I think that's part of that. Like, I, I think I've heard there's kind of that tap we drink from of like pop culture has created this thing that this is what Christmas is supposed to be. And we allow ourselves to be heaped into that expectation. And I don't think it's just Christmas. I think a lot of the greatest literary works in history are woven with this idea of redemption and redemptive quality or even the superhero narrative that we need somebody to step in and rescue us. And we we navigate to that, and I think we drift, going back to kind of the original question when it comes to the Christmas season, we drift and tend to allow our natural bent. I think Ecclesiastes 3 says that we're naturally bent to look for that reconciliation, to look for those kind of things. We just continually focus for those things in the wrong place or in the so, wrong way. So y'all have – so it, I, I would agree it definitely comes from those like pop culture mm-hmm. uh, cultural pressures, I guess I would say, in general. But I'm curious, especially for both of you having older kids, how old's your oldest? Eight. Eight, and then Piper's five. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like the expectations that they have for Christmas put pressure on you as parents? Right now, like Julian's so young, yeah. I'm not getting like a lot of pressure for him to try to create this perfect. But I wonder with older kids if it starts to feel more that way. I can definitely see how it's changed over the years. Like you as they've gotten older, you mean? Yeah, just because now they communicate more with their peers. Yeah. And that game of comparison starts to come in. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, like, seeing what what they like, what they are putting on their wish list. And is it easy for you as mom to get drawn into that game oh, of absolutely. comparison? Because you want her to be able to. Yeah. I'm going to be the best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, not that I have to be the best, but I don't want her to to feel less than yeah and then there's a whole another discussion <laughs> yeah how could she be less than because right. you didn't get fill in the blank material right. item right yes but easier i don't know easier said than done as far as believing that that's not the case yeah. well i mean you have those moments like so uh, i guess a, a week or so ago i'm like we're looking on a website and i say just you know Click add to cart, whatever you want, and then I'll review it, and that'll kind of be your wish list. Yeah. And then I remove the things that I may pair back, don't yeah. want. <laughs> but then, so there are those moments where it's all completely superficial wish list, all this stuff. And then we have moments like this past Sunday at church where we're taking the Lord's Supper together, and we're really focusing on what Jesus did for us. And so mm. maybe it's just a, a, a balance, and that, I, like, I, like I said earlier, I don't want her to feel less than it's putting the emphasis on the moments that matter and not the wishlist thing or the comparison game. Yeah. So like it would be a good things versus best thing 
yeah. kind of scenario where like the good things would be like nothing wrong with getting some cool gifts for your kids to remind them of the best gift they ever got. Yes. But don't forget to not talk at the about. expense of the best. <laughs> and I wonder, like, especially with the fact that like there's so because you're right, like everything right down to car commercials around the holidays yeah. are all trying to put like some messaging forward as far as like, here's what real Christmas is. Yeah. And it's all done with like a marketing shift to it, which just makes me, it makes me sick to my stomach sometimes. Yeah. I think it goes back to the They're conversation the where we were talking it. about like the boycotting thing, right? Like recognizing yeah. that these people You're that are putting this stuff too. out there is their number one goal is not to make Christmas meaningful for you. Yeah. It's, it's to separate it's you to convince from... you that their product is part of making yeah. Christmas for uh, meaningful yeah. for you. And I'm even and, more just pessimistic than you. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm just like their their goal is to convince you of that so that you can make Christmas better for them. And that's probably whatever, <laughs> just mean and over the top on. I don't have anything against salesmen, really. It's just. I don't like marketing. Yeah. I don't know. It's a struggle I have that I'm figuring <laughs> out. I had a long conversation over Thanksgiving with my father-in-law about that. That was really interesting, huh. like marketing. And it's a, anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, like, with the fact that there's so many different sources that are trying to put a voice in on what the true meaning of Christmas is. Like part of the struggle we may have is that not very many of us that I know of spend some time sitting down and asking ourselves or our family, like, what do we want for Christmas? Like, what do we want out of Christmas? I mean, and what, what does God want for us out of Christmas and Mm -hmm. figuring out how to, how to build Christmas from there and doing it from scratch instead of just, I mean, not getting rid of all the traditions. Yeah, People but what are going to come after me That's for an that. interesting question because we just talked about this earlier. Like, Scripture doesn't tell us to remember the birth of Jesus. He he says, remember the cross. Yeah. So you just ask the question, what is what would God want us to get out of Christmas? What do you think? Yeah, well, and I, I want to be careful about the phrasing there because it's not – it is an important thing to remember the incarnation of Christ. Yes, yes, But yes, we're yes. never explicitly instructed to do it serially the way we are with communion, to remember the cross, to remember Christ's sacrifice. Um, doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. It just means that one of them, I think, is categorically more important. Um, one of them because, is made imperative by command. <laughs> yeah, the the birth of the baby didn't save mankind, but the death of the man did. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's – you're right, though. It does get it gets more complicated when you recognize that because that's the truth. If we decide that we want to recognize it, there's some flexibility in how we end up doing it. Um, but I think asking, like, even just sitting down to ask that question mm-hmm. and recognizing you have fle- flexibility to kind of function so that's within the, reasonable parameters. That's the gray area, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it like it goes back to we, you know, we did the the groups in the gray on family discipleship, which is a small group that we launched kind of out of this podcast, and that was one of the big talking points of that is recognizing everything in your life and every interaction that you have with your kids, be it a holiday tradition or a trip to the supermarket or a ride to school or whatever it may be, is an opportunity for you to invest something into your kid or to invest something into you. And you're, because I don't believe that we were like, I don't ever arrive. I'm never done. That's part of what's so beautifully fascinating about the redemptive message of the gospel is justification is immediate, but sanctification is progressive. And so for the remainder of my life, I will battle and strive not from a place of condemnation and guilt, but from a place of forgiveness and acceptance and find joy in that struggling and striving and growing to be more like Jesus and recognizing that whether we're talking about a Christmas tree or a tinker toy or a stocking stuffed with whatever it may be, or the ride to school, for those of us that are parents and wrestling this time of year, like all of those, you might have to get creative, you might have to think out of the box. 
But I contend all of those present opportunities for you to orient your heart around Jesus. That takes discipline. I think it takes walking in community with people. I think it takes all of the things that we would lay out for a normal Christian life as resources that were given by God, the power of His Spirit, prayer, all of those kind of things, to do those. But I think the really cool thing of Christmas is, despite the fact that it's it's not something that we're at least categorically commanded to remember, this is a time of year where much of culture, even even if you're listening to this and you're not a believer— we have a holiday that for the bulk of at least American culture is centered around the birth of what who we would believers would call as the incarnate son of God. And so if you don't see that as an opportunity to reorient your life and your family's life around who Jesus is, I don't know that we could put anything better on a tee for you to swing at. Yeah, mm-hmm. and here's something here's something really sad that I was just thinking about because of what you were saying, like when you think about uh Christ followers place in like celebrating Christmas and what it seems like to the outsider who also celebrates Christmas, but usually generally for different reasons. Like the first thing I think of is Christ followers are obsessed with making sure that, um, the Christ in Christmas isn't replaced with X or they want to make, they want to make a big deal out of the fact that Starbucks, who is last time I checked, not a Christian organization, quote unquote, removed Merry Christmas and put happy holidays on their cups or whatever the controversy was like. That's what that's what Christ followers are known for in culture when it comes to Christmas. I I wish it was more the case that like people from the outside looking in would look and see like man Christ followers just seem to have like a really meaningful Christmas season. Yeah. Like they just seem to have a great time and it looks like something I want. Mm-hmm. Um but that that doesn't seem to be the case. We just kind of get ourselves embroiled in some Yeah, and that's I think that goes back to the original like I think we're all of us, humanity, Christ follower, not Christ follower, are, we all have master's level educations in missing the mark, right? Yeah. Like we get so consumed with things that don't matter, our small things on this bigger surface of something that does matter. And it's like, man, it, yeah, I'm with you. That this, like the Christmas season presents such an opportunity for us as Christ followers to live out that this is it. And we, yeah, that's. We abandon it to make sure that nobody uses an X. Yeah. So I'm, I'd like to do something that I almost have never done in my life, which is to just say something straightforward and practical and maybe even helpful to people. <laughs> we'll, we'll be the judge of that in just a second. Like, based on this conversation, there's like two things that I think we could all benefit from doing, but I'm literally thinking in the moment right now, I need to make a point of doing this as we continue to roll barrel closer and closer to Christmas. Um, the first thing I want to do is like sit down with Ashton and probably even Julian too with my family and just have a conversation of like what we hope for, what we want to see out of Christmas so that we can actually build it intentionally instead of just allowing a million other voices. Your schedule to rule yeah, what happens. Yeah, or for other people's visions yeah. of Christmas. Or marketing. Um, Going back to or, that. Or yeah, marketing all of that stuff. stuff. Yeah. Any kind of outside influences that aren't from what we hope to see or what we believe God hopes for us in the Christmas season. And then the second thing I want to do is make sure that anytime I'm getting frustrated, anytime I feel myself start to go towards that downward spiral, just stopping and asking myself, because it seems like nine times out of 10 with Christmas frustration, it's because you had an expectation that was somehow thwarted. Mm-hmm. So just asking myself, okay, an expectation was thwarted. Where did that expectation come from? 
Did it come from someone else? Did it come from me? And just establishing where those things got into my brain. Those are two things that I really want to do to make sure I'm celebrating Christmas right. That's good. Yeah, those are both really good. I think that's those are the greatest takeaways from that whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, do you have any parting words for our listeners as they get ready yeah, to barrel into December? I would say follow up. Yeah, Ben, what, those two suggestions that Ben gave were really, really good. Thinking through those and being intentional this time of season, nice. and then just make sure you, just make sure you keep your tree watered. That would be just put that freaking type A. You know, you don't need to burn your house down. That will be a thwarted expectation that yeah. there's some rightful disappointment in. I'll have to sit down and ask myself now, where did that expectation come that I didn't want my house to burn down? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it's been another good episode, and we'll be back one more time before the end of the year for a lighthearted discussion, something fun for Christmas. So we hope you enjoyed the episode. Please like, share, and subscribe. Um, Also follow us on Instagram. And we hope that this holiday season, Christmas season, no one get mad, um, doesn't overwhelm you and that you really take away something from this episode, especially Ben's advice and Rick's advice of watering your Christmas tree. So we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.